Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight from the show, become a Coast Insider and you can listen to the complete program, plus recent episodes about out-of-body experiences, the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, and biblical prophecies, which may have foretold our current state of global turmoil. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to catch up on what you may have missed from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. It's Friday night, sitting in for George Norrie. I am Jimmy Church. And tonight we have actor Kurt Smith here live with us in the studio. You can follow me on Twitter at Radio. Very simple. And you can follow Kerr at actor Kerr Smith. And the links are up there on Twitter right now. And uh, this is the deal. He's an actor. He is fully engaged in the world of ufology and awakening. Kerr is currently on The Fosters and recently wrapped Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. As well as, you know, he's got Doubt and Wisdom of the Crowd. Kerr is best known for Life Unexpected, Fox's Justice, NBC's E-Ring, and his breakout role as Jack McPhee on Dawson's Creek. On film, he starred in My Bloody Valentine, The Forsaken, and Final Destination. Early in life, Kerr had the realization that there was something more to this world than he was being told. And this led to a lifelong passion to discover the truth. After years of research, he came to the conclusion that our spiritual journey on this planet was closely related to ETs, and a planetary awakening was in process. Kerr is extremely passionate about helping humanity with this awakening, and tonight we're going to discuss his career, Hollywood, and his recent decision to come out of the UFO closet, his awakening, and his quest for truth. His website is kerrsmith.net. And it's right there on the Coast to Coast AM website. And you can just click on his name and, and head straight over there and check it out. I would like to welcome, for the first time, to Coast to Coast, live in the studio with us, Kerr Smith. Kerr, good evening, man. How are you? Great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Pretty amazing digs we have here. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet studio. Now, um, you you live here in the neighborhood, right? And you're driving up and down Ventura all the time and, and uh, you know, the restaurants and shopping. Did you know this is where we were? I had no idea. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I've driven by here a million times. I had no idea. Right. And now when you drive by. Now I know. <laughs> you'll have the memory, the security. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So welcome to the studio. And uh, I want to do this with the Coast audience, and I think it's very important. Our audience um, is very protective of themselves, and they're so used to um, having to explain their positions right on on anything in the supernatural and and maybe they don't even discuss it with their friends and family but when we bring somebody like you into the circle it lets them know that the world is is expanding and consciousness is out there and you are helping spread that word and you're representing now right do you find that uh your words and your actions now have to be more cautious or when you're out of the closet you're just out. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you have to be careful about, you know, what you say and what your opinions are. But, you know, they are that, you know, just that, opinions. Everybody has their own opinions in this particular subject. So, yeah, you do have to be aware, you know, especially, you know, for an actor, someone that's out in the public. Um, you know, sometimes people people tend to listen. <laughs> well, they, they do. They do tend to listen. And as an actor and, and here in Hollywood... Um, 
the easiest way, in most opinions, to get a screenplay greenlit and something into production, make an alien film, alien invasion film. You know, that's that's the easiest way out. It's a great story, the hero's journey. It's all there. But is is Hollywood okay with uh, the UFO subject, actors, directors? You know, do they run around and actually talk about this, or do you think that they are staying in the closet? Well, there are a lot of sci, you know, sci-fi movies out there. So, you know, the, the guys that are making those are obviously interested in these types of topics. Uh, me as an actor, yeah, I, you know, I haven't done a lot of sci-fi. I've done a lot of paranormal stuff, you know, uh, Final Destination, Forsaken, uh, you know, My Bloody Valentine, things like that. But I've never, never been on a, a starship walking around the halls because for me that feels like home, and I would absolutely love to have a job like that. You know, I was uh, uh, a couple of years ago. I was on a set, and they had uh, uh, like a Star Trek shuttle you know, on the set. And so when the inside had all the LED screens and the lights, the buttons, the chairs, and I felt like I was flying that ship. I was so happy to be in there, and I took all the pictures that I could because it was, you're absolutely right. I would love to be able to shoot something like that. Oh, to, to sit in the captain's chair at, uh, you know, on, on the Enterprise, but, you know, then to quickly realize that none of the buttons really do anything. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, that's why the, the Orville... Right. If you had the ability to go and make a show like that and get it done, that's exactly what I would do. I would be the captain of the Orville. I would write myself that script. Well, I got to I got to commend you know Seth MacFarlane on that whole journey because I, I I've watched every episode. I thought it was a little slow in the beginning, but around episode three, they found the funny and the, you know they started not taking themselves so seriously and. I, I really love that show. I, I love that show, and I think it represents correctly. And they've done a little bit of everything in that, which goes back to my point. Hollywood, the, the, the script writers, the story editors, and the, the producers that are researching this, and the showrunners, they must listen to Coast to Coast. They have to research. They have to be out there listening to things like Fade to Black and reading the books and going to these conferences. Because they know about parallel worlds and time travel and and the Mandela effect and alien races and fast radio burst. Everything is in these scripts these days. Well, maybe uh, maybe those guys will be coming out of the closet soon. Do you think? Do you think that there's a, a message though? Do you think you know part of disclosure? Do you think that this is part of uh, the calming of the storm uh, with disclosure and, and using Hollywood for that? Yeah, I, I mean, look at the look at film itself. I mean, it's a it's a tool that's been used for many many decades, and it's a very influential tool. And I mean, look what it's done. I mean, something like uh, you know Gene Roddenberry with Star Trek again. We can talk about that. There's a lot of things in in, in that show that really have have happened. You know, they they have those glass pads. What is it? It's a, it's a it's an iPad. It's a cell phone. The tricorders. So these things actually do happen in life. So maybe. Film is something that is preparing us, uh, you know, on a slow drip, so to speak, uh, for uh, some kind of larger disclosure. You're right. When flip phones were the big thing, everybody thought they were flipping open a Star Trek communicator. It was the best. I totally remember. My first phone was a was a, a flip phone, and it was, you know, you just flip that thing open, and you expect to hear that. Yep, exactly, exactly. And it has worked its way into pop culture, and also the uh, tech technical side of things satellites 
uh, the internet. All of these things were written about uh, 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 Arthur C. Clarke and Roddenberry, and they were seeing the future, but it forced science and technology and the computer industry to go, and they had the ideas, right? They had the germ of the idea, so they went and figured it out on their own. I think that's exactly how it played out. Let yeah. me let me ask you this, Kerr. Um, when you started to have this life's journey, usually there's an epiphany. There's something that causes you to go left or right off of the road into consciousness and awakening and, and ufology and start this research. For you, what was that? What was that thing that happened? Well, there were a couple of moments in my life. I, I'm I'm one of these guys that believes that there are uh, catalytic events that happen in your life that steer you in a, a very real direction. Things that you decide that are going to happen in your life before you even incarnate on this on this earth. Uh, they're your decisions. So one of them for me was when I was uh, around 16 years old, and my mom and dad took my sister and I to this. Um, Christian speaking event in in uh, Devon, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. And it was one of those outdoor stadiums, you know, a couple thousand people staged. The guy was down there talking, and it was one of those nights where it was there were clouds everywhere, except there was a hole in the clouds right over the stadium. It was just something really kind of strange and you know really neat looking. So the guy's down there talking. He said, you know, come down, you know, join us for a meditation or a prayer, and I don't know what happened because this is not like me, but there was some surge of energy that came over me and I jumped the railing. We were at the top of the bleachers. How old were you? About 16, 15, 16, something like that. Still crazy, right? Yeah. Okay, right. This is just totally not in my character to do this, but I, I jumped the railing. I turned around and my parents, my, my, they're like, what is going on? My sister was scared to death. I think she might even have been crying because I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm going down there. I don't know why, but I am. And I ran down the bleachers, and I, I joined the crowd, and I think there was a prayer that happened or something like that. Now, the point is, it's it wasn't the actual event that was what changed my life. It was because of that event that I started really asking the right questions. You know, a lot of people go through life, and they don't ask these questions. You know, they just are satisfied with their with their life and living in this box that we're born into that we call reality. I wanted to ask questions because in my gut, in my heart, I did not feel as though I was being told the truth. So it had nothing to do with religion. You're no. talking about the world in general. You were questioning the very fabric of everything. It started with religion, right? but it very quickly, uh, in my research, became uh, I started to realize how much of a spiritual person I was. And that was the path that I was taking. And as I did more and more research, and I began to realize that, oh, okay, well, ETs play a part in this, this whole journey. And as you, that, that's an epiphany. That's an eye-opener. How long did that period last? If that was 16, we're talking a couple of years of uh, awakening? Uh, yeah, I'd say a couple of years. I mean, it, you know, it, you got to do some research and go on this little journey yourself. And it, it's, you know, it's different for everyone. I mean, I'm still on that journey. Right. So this was before the Internet. Oh, Right, oh, way before the way internet. before the internet. This, so, this was like eighty seven. So you're out there collecting books, trying to find some UFO videos, and and following a couple of researchers. And back then, there were some big new. I mean, there was big breakthroughs that were happening every day in ufology. 
I think I started with Van Van Doniken, right? Uh, with the uh, Eyes of the Sphinx, and I got into the whole um, you know Egyptian thing and what was going on there. And then I think I moved on to the Seth books, which was my first channeled material, which really uh, resonated with me. But the other Catholic event that happened to me was not too long ago. I mean, it was back in, I don't know, 2013, 14, something like that. The Law of One came across my desk. And I'd read a couple other things that said, you know, the Law of One is, is material that is, is extremely valid. About 90, 95% of it is just really what is going on here. So I gave it a read, and I gave it another read. That's and, a lot of work. And then I, I gave a couple study guides a read because it's really difficult to understand. That's a tough, that's a tough read, yeah. But when I, when I read that for the first time, Jimmy, it, it was like all my questions were being answered. And I wasn't the same person after that. I, for weeks, it was like my energy had changed. I had this buzz about me. I was happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, something's going on here. I've actually, I'm aware of something now that I was not aware of before. You know, that's a pretty good double whammy, though, uh, to go through Seth and Jane Roberts and and then digest the law of one. That's a pretty good, solid foundation. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of other material in there, too, that uh, I've, I've loved over the years. But I have to say that the law of one really resonates the, the highest with me. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.